This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, we are also on 96.7 FM. I'm your host, Walter Rigobon. As usual with me in studio this morning is my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. And in the house this morning, joining us once again, uh, former Raptors coach, Butch Carter. Good morning, Butch. Good morning. How are you? We're great. Thanks for being here. Just wanted to wrap up our uh, our uh, our, our uh, show from last Sunday, our Keon uh, tribute show. David Keon, of course, was in studio with us last Sunday morning uh, for, for the entire hour. And uh, certainly it was a remarkable show for us, Naz, and I've... Uh, Received a lot of interest from people this week who said that they missed it. So if you missed our David Keon show from last Sunday, you can check out the podcast on Zoomer Radio's website, www.zoomerradio.ca. The entire hour is on there. It was a David Keon tribute show, and um, we uh, had call in during that show and had some had some uh, real compliments for David Keon from Scotty Bowman. Um, Eugene Melnick and Harry Neal. Um, Naz, uh, your your reaction to that show? Oh, it was an amazing uh, show. Uh, it was a pleasure to have David in in studio. He was absolutely terrific, and uh, he pretty well dominated the airways. He was very uh, vocal, which is good. Usually, some guests are laid back, but he wasn't. He was very, very good. Yeah, it certainly. Uh, you know, David has uh, the Toronto media over the years. Uh, has created this persona of David Keon as being um, uh, uh, in some ways bitter, in some ways quiet. Um, but we certainly saw a different, uh, different part of David Keon. Witty, charming. I mean, I spent some time with him uh, on the way to the studio, on the way away, away from the studio. Um, you know, he's... Uh, he can he can dominate a room at times as well. He's uh, he certainly uh, can be can be a personality as well. We we certainly saw a different side of him. He was cracking jokes with Eugene Melnick about Mick Jagger posters and uh, yeah. you know they you know they say he's uh, he left and he went away and I think to a certain extent he's he's been portrayed unfairly. Um, he may have gone away from MLSC in the Toronto Maple Leafs, but he didn't go away from Toronto. He comes into Toronto quite frequently. He's heavily involved in St. Michael's College alumni affairs. He's, you see him at all the alumni golf tournaments. You see it at all the St. Mike's events. He's got family in Toronto. He's got friends in Toronto. Um, 
you know, you know, they they say he's had this bitter feud with with MLSC and whatever. But if you talk to him, I, I don't think he would exactly use the word feud. I mean, uh, he's got a difference of opinion, I guess, in the way they've done business over the years. Uh, uh, something maybe you've got some comments on as well, Butch. But uh, uh, he's not he's not a bitter old man. You know, I've, I've met him. He's uh, he's personable. He can tell a story. And we were certainly thrilled to have him. And we will certainly be thrilled to have him back. Uh, I'm not sure we'll invite him back on the show. I'm not sure whether he will come back, but we'd love to have him. But he's going to be back in October when they unveil that bronze statue at Legends Row. So it's certainly an event to look forward to. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. You know, uh, the story in The Sun last Sunday was that Brendan Shannon uh, called him in September. And it was about the time, and I, I'm going to mention this, Wally, but it, it was about the time that uh, we tipped MLSC off that uh, Keon would say yes to Legends Row if he were asked. So I don't know if the two are a coincidence or not, but I, I think not. Well, I guess probably we'll have to leave it at that. Uh, yeah, okay. The timing certainly uh, makes a lot of we're sense just from, glad from, from we, our point of view. But anyway, we're just glad if we did help that we did it and that helped David King. Yeah, we're, th- we're thrilled about that. We're going to go to break very, very shortly. We're going to come back after the break with... Uh, a man who's infamous in Toronto, Kerry Fraser, uh, who's been on our show before. Kerry, of course, has some telling comments about the Dennis Weidman incident uh, this week. Cal- uh, Calgary Frames, who uh, who uh, ran into the official. And Butch, we've got you, and uh, we want to get your thoughts on that. Just before we go to break, we want to get you involved in the show. You saw the incident. Uh, Weidman took out the, uh, the linesman. Uh, your reaction to it? Well, I mean, there's this happens in sports. Unfortunately, you um, the, there's only two paths. He hit a fork in the road. He was either concussed or he was, or he was so pissed off he lost it. You know, and uh, thank goodness in Canada that uh, we limit guns because <laughs> this happens to people in life. So um, you have a professional athlete; they're very cognizant of everyone else. He felt he was damaged when he was taken into the boards, and. That linesman was there and, and saw it, and we can't ignore that. So anything after you have three people in one box and one takes it out on, on the person that could have helped them out, uh, I don't think is accidental. So if I was him, I'd find the greatest brain uh, specialist in the world and <laughs> to testify that I was concussed because uh, it's, it's going to cost him – it's going to cost him a million dollars of cash, and it's going to cost him of future earnings a lot of money because for any team to take him after this, he, he will be perceived to be, in the short run, uh, damaged goods. Well, of course, uh, uh, you're listening to the uh, voice of Butch Carter. Butch, uh, we're going to go to break now, and we're going to talk to Kerry Fraser as soon as we come back from break, but we're certainly looking forward to talking to you uh, later on in the show about the Raptors and about the NBA All-Star Game. Certainly looking forward to that. We'll be right back after the break with Kerry Fraser. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just $13.99 for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often, and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. Shh. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. 
Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. You're listening live. Uh, we're live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto, and we're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Carrie Fraser. Carrie Fraser, of course, former NHL official who's been uh, in the news this week, providing his comments and his analysis of the Dennis Weidman incident uh, in, uh, in the Calgary Flames game. Good morning, Carrie. Good morning, Naz and Wally. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Thanks so much. Just so that you know, we've got Butch Carter in studio with us this morning as well. Butch Carter, of course, the former Toronto Raptor coach. Kerry, uh, the, the, the story that swept the hockey world uh, through the middle of the week, of course, was the uh, Dennis Weidman incident. And uh, on, I've probably watched it uh, at least 70 times now. And uh, I guess when you start watching things, you tend to overanalyze. But the first time I watched it, it looked it looked pretty gruesome. It looked like a hockey player that just decided he was gonna he was gonna take out an official. But when you look at it a little bit more closely, and you analyzed it very carefully in your column um, that was reported, uh, there's more to it than meets the eye, isn't there, Kerry? 
Well, there really is, and, and I, I think, uh, as, as, as Butch would probably attest to, uh, there are certain things that are going through a player's mind, and, and uh, especially after perhaps in a basketball game getting a hard elbow in the face, there's a little fogginess, uh, and I'm not making any excuse whatsoever for, for Dennis Weidman's uh, behavior at the end of that play, but he was, he was in a little bit of distress, certainly, um, and was trying to get off the ice uh, for a change. Uh, he signaled the bench that he was coming with a raise of the stick and a slap down hard, which indicated to me that he was still a little ticked off uh, as a result of, of Mika uh, Solomaki's hard hit that uh, helicoptered him into the board's head first. Um, but nonetheless, as the lane closed off for him at the last second, what I saw was a sudden, abrupt move to avoid contact with the linesman. That tells me that he wasn't completely focused on the linesman and did do it, did not strike him with deliberation. But that little hiccup that he gave, that little stutter step to the right, that's where my free pass ended for Dennis Weidman because he raised his stick and used both hands to push the linesman hard from behind. If he was really concerned about not uh, creating a physical abuse to the official, he would have wrapped him, he would have hugged him, he would have minimized the degree of contact instead of accelerating it. And that's where he's subject to Rule 40, I believe, physical abuse of officials with at least a minimum of a 10-game suspension. Kerry, how many games do you think he'll get? And uh, having the time pass pass on is because the hearing's on Tuesday, right? Does that help Weidman in his case? I don't think it helps Weidman. I think the fact that uh, he was, uh, and it was announced uh, the day after at 6 p.m. Eastern time, uh, that he was suspended indefinitely. That means uh, that uh, it was... Uh, Rule 40, uh, physical abuse of officials is being applied, uh, and they're going to, uh, with an in-person hearing, uh, that indicates that it will be at least five games uh, minimum uh, as a result of the agreement with the NHL Players Association. Uh, so if they apply, and it's hockey operations that reviews this, not the Department of Player Safety, uh, as we see in cases of player-on-player abuse, um, if they apply it correctly, uh, I believe, based on the evidence that, that I've laid out, uh, it should be um, a Category 2, uh, which is a minimum of 10 games, and I think it's between 10 and 20. I'd go right in the middle of it. It should be a 15-game uh, suspension to Dennis Weidman, in my judgment. Kerry, you've, uh, you've uh, referred to the three categories of, of punishment when you, uh, when you abuse or you touch an official, and I just want to explain that a little bit more to our listeners. In the one category, it's a three-game penalty, um, a suspension. Um, in in that in the in the cat in the second category, it's a ten-game where you actually intend to hit an official, but without intent to injure. And in 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 the grossest uh, category, which is the third category, it's twenty games. You have to intend to hit the official, and you have to intend to hurt the official. Is that is that a correct summary? Well, it's uh, actually in reverse. It's category one is the most severe. That's rule 40.2. And and that's uh, a player that uh, deliberately strikes an official and causes injury or who deliberately applies physical force in a manner uh, with intent to injure. And I think as I explained that little stutter step, that little hiccup at the end, which was a surprise 
uh, it, it was evident to me that, that Weidman was surprised that he was going to contact him. Um, that eliminates, in my opinion, uh, Category 1. I don't think he deliberately went with looking at the, the black and white stripes of the linesman's back that he was going to get this guy. Um, that Category 1... Uh, and I was part of the formulation of this back in 1982 when, when players were getting one game maybe for punching a referee. Uh, so we wanted some real strong uh, deterrent for players to punch, and, and it was through a, a blue ribbon committee that was formed uh, through the insistence of our lawyer and the officials association in 1982 that we, they get serious about this. Uh, Alan Eagleson was part of it uh, as head of the Players Association at that time, and they came up with a 20-game suspension for any player that applied physical force on an official, and it was primarily for uh, an intent to injure, throwing a punch, uh, that sort of thing. Um, in this case, uh, the Category 2, it was, it was and there, back then, Naz, there was no appeal for the player. The referee imposed the, the suspension, only suspension that a referee could impose was for physical abuse. And in that first year, uh, there was no appeal. Tom Lysiak uh, was the first one to incur that 20-game suspension when he tripped from behind linesman Ron Foyt in a game the following season. Uh, so this has, this has history. And if we go back to the history of a similar incident, even a little more gross, uh, was in 1994 when Rick Zombo of the St. Louis Blues uh, was knocked from accidentally by a linesman. He turned the puck over. Mike McPhee of Dallas went in on a breakaway, scored the goal. Before Zombo gave chase, though, he slashed that linesman Kevin Collins that had bumped him and then punched him in the back of the head with his glove. Brian Burke, who's now the president of the Calgary Flames, was the vice president of hockey ops at the time, and he suspended Zombo for 10 games in that incident, even though there was no penalty called on the ice, as we saw in this situation with Dennis Weidman. We're talking to Kerry Fraser, of course, uh, former chief of NF N uh, NHL officials. Naz, do you want to Kerry, uh, have you ever been involved in a situation yourself being physically abused as a referee? Absolutely, and it was before we had uh, you know, a rule as strong with as much teeth as Rule 40. Uh, I was uh, signed to a contract in 1973-74 season. I was working as a referee in the American Hockey League, uh, and a player... Richard Lemieux uh, was sent down by the Atlanta Flames. He was on a one-way contract. Al McNeil was coaching uh, the Halifax Voyageurs. Uh, it was a shared team with Montreal and Atlanta. And Lemieux was frustrated. I gave him three penalties in the game. Uh, the third one, he threw his gloves down and his stick at center ice and started to attack me. Uh, I squared up to him. I opened my two palms in, in open gesture of peace. <laughs> he didn't take the peace offering, uh, and he threw a punch that I, that I ducked. Uh, I grabbed that uh, arm jersey uh, as it went by my ear, and then he had one more to throw, and I caught that punch in the air. I pulled his jersey over his head, because just two years previously I had uh, been playing junior A hockey in Ontario, so I, I was aware uh, of how to handle myself in those kind of altercations. And fortunately for Lemieux, he didn't tag me. Uh, Clarence Campbell was the president of the NHL at the time, and in his ruling, uh, he suspended um, Mr. Lemieux 10 games, uh, fined him $10,000, and uh, in his edict he said that 
it was fortunate for the player that the referee had the wherewithal to defend himself. Otherwise, he would have been suspended for life from the National Hockey League and all affiliated leagues. So this is something that is really serious. Uh, players have to have the, the common sense not to apply any physical force on an official. And that's where we come to Dennis Weidman on this. By extending his hands and raising his stick, uh, he delivered a blow of sort uh, to the back of this linesman that was defenseless and not aware of the impending contact. A wrap, a hug would have saved him from any sort of suspension, I believe. Carrie, uh, in thinking through this, and, uh, I think it's applicable level one, level two, or level three, that the worst thing for this player is that the league is on all-star break, and the guys are sitting there, and they're going to go back through every altercation potentially between this official and this player. I think they'll have all that information when they have that hearing on Tuesday, and that could put him somewhere. I don't think he'll get the 20 games, but I think if he's had altercations where this linesman has um, put him in a penalty box and there's a history of bad stuff between the two, I believe he was engaged because when he was taken into the boards, this linesman was there, did not. He felt he deserved a penalty, uh, had earned a penalty by going, being pushed in the boards from behind, did not receive it. We both know that all professional athletes at some point have a short fuse. It's unfortunate that these two, uh, their lines crossed when he was trying to get out of the game and off the ice. Um, and he did something that was very bad. I, I totally agree with you in your assessment, but I think it will be worse for him if they go back and all those interns that cut up film can find incidents between these two that have gone before, and this ends up being a, the accumulation of one, I believe that he was slightly concussed, and then he was put into a position of the X's crossing, and instead of falling on the ground or hugging, as you suggested, or wrapping uh, the official, um, he mentally snapped. Well, you know what's really interesting in this, Butch, is that Dennis Weidman, and, and I saw him as a rookie in the league, and, and uh, I finished in 2010. I had many situations and conversations with Weidman. I put him in the box many times. Uh, and he's not typically that kind of player, uh, that you would have uh, an eyebrow raised and you would be concerned that for your own safety around him that he could snap. All players have that potential, as we know, uh, and, and you, you know, stated well. Um, but he's, he's never had an issue with Don Henderson. And the linesman uh, was a former player, uh, very tough guy, uh, but is a, a player's kind of official. Uh, his duties as a linesman are not to put players in the box, but to more or less save them and protect them during altercations and fights. And Henderson is a guy that puts his face in front of a punch uh, at his expense to save a player. Uh, so they have a good relationship. Don Henderson lives in Calgary. He works the Flames a number of times. Uh, and Dennis Weidman, uh, I don't believe, would have any grudge uh, against the linesman. I don't think that'll show up in, in any kind of, of uh, tape or, or anything they clip or any investigation. I think this was just a case of a player being ticked off. He saw a striped jersey, and at the end, he was going to collide with him. And the, the mind rolled back to the fact that I was put into the boards. There was no penalty on the play. 
get out of my way, and he gave him a shove. Uh, and, I, and I think that, as bad as it looks and as bad as it is, is somewhere between 10 and 15 games at the end of the day. Kerry uh, Fraser, one last question, Kerry, and um, I'm sure Dennis Weidman's going to make some representation or his representatives will. Uh, to the to the NHL when they when they have the hearing, um, and I think really his case comes down to the following: is he's got to somehow establish that what, the action when he pushed the referee was a reflex action and not a conscience action. And when you analyze that, when you analyze that video, what persuades you that it was a conscious action and not a reflex action? Because I believe that if it was a red jersey in front of him. These guys are, are very good athletes. I mean, they can turn on a dime. Uh, even with the little stutter step and the fact that, oh, he, he does a hiccup and he, and he recognizes in that moment, if he wasn't clearly focused on the linesman and the fact that his lane to the bench had been suddenly pinched off and there was imminent contact, they can react very quickly to all kinds of situations on the ice around the puck or from a player that's going to hit them. He's got to know with the distance he traveled, that it was a striped jersey that he was approaching. So there's no excuse that this was a reflex or a defensive posture uh, because they're so good. Uh, the fact that he ended up pushing uh, and, and taking an offensive action as opposed to defensive, I believe is going to convict him. We've been talking to Kerry Fraser, of course, Kerry Fraser, a former NHL official, and uh, you can find him online. He's always uh, providing his insights into all things NA controversial in NHL re re officiating-wise. Kerry, listen, we thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. Uh, you really broke this down quite well for our listeners. We really appreciate it. Well, you're most welcome, and we'll all be watching closely. A great uh, all-star three-on-three competition today. I'm happy that Big John Scott is there, uh, fan's choice. Uh, and captain of the West, and uh, also the fact that <laughs> we're going to uh, know on Tuesday, uh, late in the day, what's going to happen to Dennis Weidman on this. They have to protect the officials. I think that's obvious. I think we're all in favor yeah. of that. Listen, so much. Uh, thanks so much, Kerry. Once again, we really appreciate it. Pleasure, guys. Have a great day. Fantastic. Just before we go to break, uh, uh, Butch, we we talked brief, very briefly before the show, and we're trying to we're trying to think of an episode. In, and you're an NBA historian, an episode where a player laid his hands on an official in the NBA, and we couldn't think of one. No, we can't. In the modern, uh, you know, high film era, you know, we don't really have anything. I'd be willing to bet that there were numerous incidents in the pre-NBA, ABA days um, because it, it was a wildcat league. Um, but there's nothing uh, in the modern era because... You know, it would be either on bloops or blunders or the NBA's, you know, worst plays ever. And uh, I have not seen it. That, but it, it must exist somewhere. Uh, we'd probably have to get a hold of Dick Bavetta and he could tell us specifically. I'm just curious. Maybe maybe if you lay your hand on an NBA official, maybe the penalty is probably out of this world. Maybe that's why it never happens. Well, the issue, the issue within the day is that, you know, you get your two T's and you can leave. You don't even have to be around him. You know, so... That's true. Yeah, that's right? true. I mean, you know, I mean, I... You know, I can tell you a game that uh, the first game I coached as interim coach, we were in New Jersey. I only had seven players, right? I mean, so, and it was against John Calipari. They'd made the, all the trades that day, and I think we had one guy who was injured that he had to dress because I think you have to have eight dressed at least, right? <laughs> and uh, 
I said, the heck with this. I'm going to get my T's and get out of here. And I'll never get the official stood beside me and said, hey, look, you get a free pass today. <laughs> he said, if we got to stay out here and watch this bad basketball, you got to stay with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing I find astounding, I mean, we couldn't, can't think of any episode, but, you know, the, the one sport that I just, I can't, I, every time I see it, it just, I don't understand why they allow it. You ever watch an international soccer match? And you got these players yeah. with their hands all over the referees with their nose in the ref. They're pushing the referee, and they don't even get thrown out of the they, game. They take the worst abuse out of any yeah, sport. Yeah, they do, but they sure. mean, I mean, it's, it's preposterous what, 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 what soccer players do to the officials. But soccer also is, is uh, from a professional standpoint, you know, pulling up the rear in technology, you know, from goal scoring. You know, they don't use any technology. You know, was the ball over the line on penalty? Oh, they have that now in the World Cup. They do have that. Yeah, the goal scoring part. The goal scoring part, yeah. Yeah. But in the regular league basis, right? No, they don't. It's more like a soap opera with soccer, right? With, uh, you know, the the, uh, refs and officials are the bad guys, and the players consistently abuse them currently at this stage. Yeah, and I just find that astounding. Anyways... Uh, we're going to go to break, break right now. We'll be back after the break. We're going to talk to you, Butch, about the, the incredible streak the Raptors are on. So we certainly want to talk about that. And they're uh, obviously a successful game last night against the Pistons. And we've got a huge event coming into Toronto two weeks today, the NBA All-Star Game. So we're certainly going to chat with Butch Carter about that. We'll be right back after the break. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced the really big pizza deal. It's even bigger than Toronto basketball star Jonas Valanciunas. He wears size 17 shoes, but the really big pizza is 18 inches, topped with pepperoni. Plus, you get 16 wings, and you get the really big pizza deal for just $29.99. Try getting Jonas for that. Call Pizzaville at pound 3636 from your cell phone. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them every day. They've earned their trust. 
They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The security business is easy, right? Anyone can learn it. Perhaps they can learn it on duty with your valuables at stake. Perhaps they can learn it in a crisis situation that requires an immediate intelligent response when lives are at risk. After all, what harm can a few mistakes make? Plenty. When it comes to security for your business or office, an experienced partner like Regal Security makes sense. Security is what they do. Peace of mind is what they provide. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're also now on 96.7 FM. Joining us this morning is former Raptors coach Butch Carter. Butch, uh, Raptors are on a roll. Uh, I think, Naz, you're the stats guy. Have they now tied the longest winning streak in Toronto sports history? 11 in a row. 11 in a row. I don't think any other team in Toronto sports history. And 7-0 at home last night. Yeah. So, uh, Butch, uh, you know, you came in here about this time last year and... uh, uh, the Raptors were doing well, and uh, you were looking at some stats, and uh, we thought it would, may have all been a mirage, and to a certain extent it was. But you've got a different impression of this year's team. Tell yeah. us, uh, tell us what you're seeing. Well, even when I was here, you know, I said that uh, no Toronto team, no Toronto head coach, had been able to get a team to be dominant at home, and uh, considering that they went on the road with so many games early. Uh, far tougher schedule than any team in the NBA because of the way the All-Star game fits back in in February. And they've seemed to hit a, hit a rhythm. But I, I think the two most important things is uh, the general manager has added two assets, uh, point guard, backup point guard from a winning uh, franchise, local kid, and a backup center that gives them rim protection in the second group. Um, so I think, you know, they are the most experienced group in the East probably as far as playing number of games played together. Um, but they have hit a very good stride. And uh, Coach Casey, I, I give him uh, his, his proper respect as being an outstanding manager. He has managed his way through this quagmire uh, quite well. Um, and I, you know, I think he deserves a lot of credit for, uh, keeping the whole thing together and managing all the personalities and making it fit. Uh, but he's been given assets that added on the defensive side from a backup point guard and, uh, center. The Mari Carroll, I thought was injured when they signed him. Um, you know, and I, you know, so I think he's supposed to help. Because I think it's very tough for them to beat the winning teams in the East without a uh, very good wing defensive player. Now, it seems to me like the interest in the team is quite good, but it's not buzzing around the city like it was before. Are they are the fans being cautious of this team, Butch? No, you, uh, you, because what happens, the Blue Jays ate into your turf. 
right? I mean, so, you know, sports fans only have a certain capacity. And so the Blue Jays go on their run. And there's a certain portion of people that were just out there in the yard and said, okay, the, the raps are on, so I'm going to jump on the bandwagon. Blue Jays get the roll, and they jump on the Blue Jays bandwagon. So, you know, I think they're, for the basketball fans, they're extremely excited. But the raps were at the point that if the Blue Jays continue to lose, the raps were going to take over Ontario. And all of a sudden, uh, Donaldson and, and uh, Baptista and Kardashian – and, uh, you know, they're winning and they're doing good things. The The Blue Jays totally dominate the media. And, um, you know, sh- really I thought, you know, we all thought they should have been in the World Series. So um, I think that uh, the Raps are you, – when, you when you have winning teams, you know, you, you, your core piece of fan base, it shrinks. It doesn't, it doesn't get larger. So um, – They've got. I think they said they were 60th sellout in a row, which is an awesome record. But you know, they're going to lose some fans. If the Blue Jays get smoking hot, you know, the Blue Jays been here a long time. You know, the Blue Jays are you know second, third generational. So if they're winning, they make it tough on uh, on anyone recruiting fans. The Happy Gang asked me on uh, when we were on the show last Friday, who, which team was closest to a championship? Which which team is closest to a championship sports team? In Toronto. In Toronto. Oh, you're going <laughs> to you kill me. I answered right away, but... Right. Uh, for, okay, for me, all right, I think it's the Leafs. Seriously? Wow. Yes. Oh, I got to pursue that. Yeah. Oh, you got to pursue oh. that. What, uh, what, how do you draw that conclusion? Uh, baseball, you need pitching. All right? And you can hit it all you want, but someone's got to throw it consistently. So... Um, they've not gone out and spent money. The dollar, the dollar, the Canadian dollar going so bad against the U.S. dollar doesn't help them budget-wise. So they've got to acquire, uh, you know, David Price was an ace, at least for when we had him. He he was an ace. He might not have been an ace in the playoffs. So, but the issue at the end of the day, then replace his stats during the season, all right? Uh, I don't believe, I believe that Marcus Stroman is a starter, um, I don't believe our, our last year, our setup, the young kid, I don't believe he's a starter. I don't think he has a mental capacity at this age. I don't care how much they show him lifting weights and everything else. You're talking uh, about Sanchez. Right? Yeah. And I say that because we have an experienced catcher, one of the best in, in, in baseball, all right? And he has a lack of confidence in Sanchez. And... I'm going to rely on his experience that he knows what's going on. And um, if he starts showing more confidence in Sanchez, then, then I will. You know? And, and I have always been a Blue Jays fan because I grew up a Reds fan. And so for me, watching baseball is something naturally that I've always done. But I don't believe Sanchez. So you've got to have pitching. But I want to take you back to where, where Naz was going with this. And you said uh, you think the Leafs are uh, – um probably the next Toronto team that's got a shot at a championship. And i got to think these Leaf, this Leaf team's got to be at least three to five years away. Let's say three years. I mean, um, so that... From being competitive. Implicit in that is that tells me you think the Raptors are still... This, this, this current edition of the Raptors perhaps doesn't have what it's 
going to take to get over the hump. Now, the Raptors right now are, what, second in the Atlantic? Uh, they're second they, in the East. Second yeah, in the East, sorry. Second in the East. Or They've created some yeah. separation between themselves and the third-place team. So Clearly. it looks like it's them in Cleveland. They're going to take run it to the end here. Right. And there's, and there's three top teams in, in the West. Yes. And... Uh, and, and and why? What's this Raptor team missing that you don't feel it can take it to the next level? Well, just look at the All Star. Right, the Raptors teams have to have a great wing defender because you have LeBron in Cleveland, you have Wade in Miami, you have Paul George in Indiana, you have Jimmy Butler in Chicago. So they've got to find a great wing defender because Demar can't guard those guys, and the the fans know that DeMar's not as good as those guys. So the re- if the fans know it, the officials know it. So right now, you know, as good as he is offensively, if he was better defensively, um, it would help them. Because you're always better if you can get your all-star on their all-star and your all-star wins that battle. Uh, because you need confidence from the officials. Analytics of basketball is not, as I've said before, it's not the five guys on the fort court offensively and defensively. You got three zebras and two coaches. If your model doesn't have fifteen people in it, you don't know what you're doing. All right, excuse me. You may know what you're doing, but you get you could have a better model. All right. So, you know when I when I when I look at it the way, you know, you said championship. You didn't say you know. I said championship. That's right. right. That's, so that yeah. means that you your thought of the lease is because of Mike Babcock. I yes. So yeah, I read you I pretty think, good, I think, Butch. I think I think uh, I think the old country and western guy knows what he's doing, and um, you guys know I'm not easily impressed. <laughs> but I think that um, you've got to have a bull gator when you stick your head in the huddle, and the Leafs have a bull gator. So uh, history has shown in all sports that uh, a combination of intelligence confidence and the ability to roll that confidence into uh, inferior talent uh, you will win some games that people say there's no way they should have won those games and I think they showed us that the first 35 games of the year and JVR goes down yeah, and that was it JVR going down was a big loss right to JVR goes down and so he that unfortunate accident has done him a big favor because they're going to win too many games. They need the best draft pick possible. Well, they're in a good spot right now because if last time I checked, they're tied for last overall. Yeah, so. they, they'll, they'll get one of the top three spots. Well, based ho- on hopefully, and there's a, they're the top three this year are pretty good. You're going to get you're going to get a blue chip talent in that top three between Austin Matthews and those two finish. Let, let's go. Let's go to the lease again. Do you think they should sign Steve Stamkos? You sh- you you got to accumulate talent. Okay. Right, so the issue at the end of the day is, if he's the best available guy and he wants to come home, br- bring his ass home. It's not my, it's not our money. Right, so I mean the re- the reality is, you know, I trust that that Babcock will put his two cents in on him if he wants him or not. Now, you know, what I see, Stamkos, I see, you know, him during the Blue Jays run, you know, and and they got him on, you know, pregame. So, you know, if he's an Ontario kid and, you know, if he wants to come home and skate for the Leafs and root for the Blue Jays and the Raptors and, you know, that's all good stuff. What kind of endorsement money could Stamkos make in Toronto as a hockey player? Well, I mean, you know, as a hockey player, you know, it's your largest media is here. So he'd have the best opportunity. It would be better if if they if he came, if the, if a player came here and they won, right? Because, yeah. you know, and <laughs> 
companies want endorsements from athletes that you know are winning and you know I've, I've been on the record that Toronto and Canada is not the best place for athletes on endorsements um, you know Baptista's doing booster juice which is a joke as yeah. far as you know what his opportunities would be somewhere else uh, going back to the Raptors again uh, butch we, we talked earlier on the show and you made an, an interesting comment because uh, we're, we're we're talking about how far we think the Raptors might go uh, this year and whether they're going to do better than this year. And you, and you put all those roadblocks. We have no LeBron, we have no Dwayne, all this. And then you made a comment, the Raptors are a West Coast team in the East Conference. What do you mean by that? They, they are, they're playing, they're playing, they have the ability to play a pace so that when you're introduced to a Western team, you, there's not such a gap. And we've seen Eastern teams go West and get killed at Golden State, get killed at San Antonio. Right, and the and the Raps have gone west and won uh, in some very tough places. Uh, they've played, I think, very well against the Western teams. They beat the Clippers in here, and the Clippers were playing well. So I think that they 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 are built and have an understanding that when they go west, uh, they are very functional. I worry about if they again get caught in a ninety point game in a in a playoff run. Um, but the reality is that, you know, I can throw out all kind of things, but they're very efficient against Western teams. They're so much better at home than they've been historically than any Raptor team, which is all part of what you have to do to get confidence with the officials in the league. And uh, they're, they're doing a very good job at that. Uh, we've got Butch Carter in studio. We're going to switch topics a little bit. Butch, uh, I want to talk about the NBA All-Star game, but we'd also love to take your calls. Uh, so give us a call. I'll read out the numbers for you. Area code 416-360-0740. By all means, give us a call. Tell us what's on your mind. In two weeks' time, uh, Butch, uh, huge event coming to Toronto, NBA All-Star Game. How big an event is it? Well, it's historic uh, from the standpoint. NBA's never taken their All-Star Game out of the United States. Uh, so it's the first time it's going into another country. Uh, from you know what I'm seeing, that they're done a really they're doing a really good job across the country. I was talking to a guy in Calgary about something. And he said, "Coach, I got to go because the uh, NBA All Star Slam Dunk Contest." So you know they've taken the activation for this All Star Game across the country. Uh, I was looking at something on Twitter last night, and they were in Ottawa at Carleton University. So, you know, uh, with, the, with the festivals. So it is historic. It is, it is uh, something that whoever decided that, you know, to take this franchise to where it needed to go, uh, bidding on the All-Star game was important. They're probably going to lose a lot of money putting it on and with all the activities and what's required by the NBA. They're probably going to have a lot of season ticket holders ticked off because they're not going to get All-Star game tickets. But it is uh, something that needs to happen, and I think it sets the tone for um, all-star games in hockey and baseball to look this direction also. But I think the fans will be engaged, and I think there'll be another level for fan engagement across the country for the team uh, after the all-star game. Where did uh, them hiring Sting at halftime sit with you, (laughs) Butch? (laughs) Well, (laughs) <laughs> That's kind of funny, right? You know, people ask you on certain events, where were you at? 
<laughs> well, I was dropping my son Josh off at school, and I had to put the car in park. <laughs> right? And I'm oh so I'm like, who didn't get the memo that <laughs> his, historically Sting at an NBA All Star game? I gotta tell you, you know, I kind of like Sting, but you know, maybe I'm not the target. I shouldn't be the target audience, like a, a, a zoomer, a zoomer white male, and maybe I'm not the target. But I kind of like in, the guy. In but. fairness, though, you know, and this is a sad thing to say. We've had a lot of musicians pass away. There isn't too many left of the old uh, crowd, I, right? I, I, I agree. There really isn't. I, I was actually shocked that Sting accepted. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would love to have been a fly on the wall when his agent called him and said, "Hey, would you like to do the NBA All Star game?" <laughs> As you're talking to Butch Carter, we're going to take we're going to take a call. We've got Kevin from Buffalo. Uh, Kevin, I understand. First of all, good morning, Kevin, and uh, I understand you've got an NBA question for Butch. Go ahead, Kevin. Good morning, gentlemen, and Mr. Beard. It's always a pleasure listening to you and your your excellent observations and. One quick question, and it happened, oh, about a week ago in Toronto on L.A. Clippers superstar Mr. Griffin, and he got into a little altercation in Toronto. And just to wrap up, Mr. Beard, your thoughts on maybe a, maybe a higher suspension or just your thoughts, because he was such a superstar with the Clippers. Doc Rivers made a few comments, and it seemed that was that. And you, you gentlemen do an excellent show and have a wonderful week. Thanks, Kevin. We'll turn that over to you, Butch. It's real simple. Uh, players do stupid things. <laughs> yeah. right? So, so you, you've got a guy who's had a clean history and uh, has done a really, really good job with um, on the court, off the court. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's more a, a, a mini entourage movie. Right, but uh, I don't know what it is about Toronto. A Rod got in trouble here. Griffin, got everybody in trouble gets here. in trouble here. Right, so, so, so it, it it's, it's just one, it's just one of those things that Sabathia uh, too. I mean, they all yeah, get in trouble right, here. Right, so it means we were. I was talking to somebody last night and said they keep saying it's a restaurant, but they won't tell us what restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, we, can, we can only imagine. <laughs> anyway, so another quick call. We've got Joe from Georgetown. NBA question. Joe, good morning. How are you? Uh, not too bad. Uh, just uh, real quick about, uh, I can't believe what the NBA brass was possibly thinking when they made Sting the uh, entertainment for the halftime show. And also, I can't believe that Butch Carter's picking the Leafs to uh, be the first Toronto team to win a championship in the next few years. Okay, we'll leave that. Uh, thanks for the call, Joe, and maybe uh, maybe a quick, uh, quick comment on that one once again, Butch. Yeah, the the issue is to uh, the question was to win a championship. It, yeah. You know, uh, who's the most popular team right now? And but the issue at the end of the day is, uh, I do believe that you do have a chance when you have low, uh, very high draft picks to escalate your championship window opening. And right now, uh, baseball, you have to sign your talent, and you know. Who knows what's going to happen with our uh, four and five hitter, right? Uh, the Raptors, uh, Demar is a free agent, uh, which is could be potentially a huge obstacle. I, I still believe that if they they could move someone during before the trade deadline, I think they would be very aggressive to go after two or three guys they would want because their pieces are signed the long term, which would be Valashunas and Ross if they wanted to move them. 
But I do believe that if you go backward, you have a chance. And that this goes to if Hunter gets it right on who he picks. Um, I did not like last year's pick that he went back and picked one of the London Knights. But the guy's been doing it a long time. So, you know, I'm just a guy sitting in a condo in Toronto, and I've got to wait and see. But I think they have to go backward. They have to get the horses. If you get the horses, you got the right coach, you will be able to sign free agents. Because a free agent just has to believe that the, the chance is there. Right? They've had you know no reason to believe the chance is there because of the hard cap. You know, then why go there and get my brains beat out and not be, you know, comfortable in the community because of how huge the media is in Toronto. Players want to be comfortable and the teams that are successful. The players are not only comfortable on the ice, they are comfortable in the community and stay there. And until any sports team gets the whole players playing there, staying there, being engaged and working there. Right? Most franchises really struggle. Butch Carter, uh, we've got uh, a little bit less than three minutes left. We want you to bring us up to date on the Canadian Basketball League. Tell, give us, uh, tell us what's going on. So I'll give you the, the short and skinny. is uh, We ended up with three teams. Didn't have a fourth place to play. Um, I have to take responsibility for that. I didn't do a good enough job in Hamilton to find the Hamilton team franchise a place to play uh, that's not, on, not in an ice arena. So, you know, we basically have regrouped, uh, moved into new offices uh, on Les Mill, um, and are back at it. So we'll launch uh, our new website uh, probably this Friday or Saturday, CanadianBasketball.com. And, uh, you know, I'll keep working at it. So, um, you know, I'm in this to – I've got to take the bumps and bruises that I create for myself – there's a lot of good stuff going on, um, but we need to have a national league, and uh, it's inevitable that this gets done the right way so that um, we can be successful long term. And I'm no less deterred. I'm I am bruised a little bit, but no less deterred. How many How many teams do you project? I hope to have five. It's easier schedule wise if you've got five and. Uh, because the goal is not just schedule the games. The goal is to schedule them on the weekend. Yeah. So the reality is that we have, we've had two facilities that have been very flexible with us uh, at Durham College and the Pan Am Center. So then we'll have to work that around. Carlton was very uh, helpful also. Uh, I, I have to give uh, Mark DeBruin. He, he worked very hard to try to help us. Um, but I could not get anything done with Mohawk or McMaster. Uh, or the Rye Center in Brantford, uh, which was unfortunate. And and it, it had to do with how I negotiated it, and it was something I had to learn. I, 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 when I look back, I, I could have done a lot better job, and I didn't. So I, I've got to get that fixed. But there's also a facility coming online in September uh, at a university that would have 2,500 seats uh, in a gym that would make a great place. So if I can't get it done, we would just move the team to another to another location. Well, it's time to wrap up another Naz and Wally Sports Hour. It's been a pleasure uh, pleasure having you again, uh, Butch. Thanks so much for coming. We really appreciate your insights. Thank you very much. And Super, Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday next quick week. Quick pick, quick pick. Oh, it's got to be Carolina. I, I, I say by seven at least. Butch? It has to be Carolina, and I think it's by more than seven, but I think it's Carolina. It's Carolina, and my prediction will be the least watched Super Bowl 
in the last 15 years, but we'll talk about that next Sunday. Anyways, once again, if you missed it last Sunday, our David Keon Tribute Hour. We had, uh, we had David Keon in studio for the whole hour. Some, uh, some uh, great uh, call-in interviews with Scotty Bowman, uh, Harry Neal, and Eugene Melnick. Listen to it. Our podcast is up at www.zoomerradio.ca. To all our listeners, have a fantastic week. We'll be back again next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.